0: Thank you guys for being good sports here uh, this morning. I greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate it, as Jonathan even uh, prayed, thank God for laughter. Like, if we can't come here and have fun, what are we doing here, right? I mean, this would be the most joy-filled in the midst of great suffering place on the planet. I know it's a weird paradigm and paradox, but it should be true, right, here more than anywhere else. So I'm going to preach a different sermon if I don't be quiet. So 1 John chapter 2. Verses 18 through 29, again we've been there the last two Sundays, we're going to conclude it today. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies but the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as, 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 just as it has taught you, abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not strength from Him in shame at His coming. You should know that he is righteous. You may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated here this morning. Thank you again. Hold your spot there, but I want you to turn to the Gospel of John, written by the same John who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John chapter 15, and I'm going to preach the section of Scripture that I just read to you by preaching to you another passage of Scripture that John wrote in John chapter 15, and then I'm going to pull an M. Night Shyamalan on you and come back to this passage. That's the guy who wrote The Sixth Sense, that movie, and things like that, so... If you don't know who that is, he's not a theologian at all, all right? But I sound really impressive saying his name. Um, so in this passage, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the First John passage, and we've been going through 1 John for several months now. Um, but over the last several weeks, we kind of geared down a little bit to look at the warnings that are found inside of this particular passage in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. See, this passage being written by John is is meant to be a very serious, serious warning to the readers, and yet simultaneously was written to provide encouragement and assurance in the church. Many who once appeared to be followers of Jesus inside of this congregation inside the city of Ephesus now deny certain truths about Jesus. They have departed from the church and they are believing deceitful things and trying to deceive people who still remain inside of this congregation. They're trying to allure them away from the true reality of who Jesus is. They're trying to lure them away from, from gathering at that local church. They're trying to Deceive them into believing things about Jesus and about sin and about the love of the world or the love of God. They're trying to to gather amongst God's people uh, and empty the pews movement. And this has left those remaining within that church questioning their own salvation. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're true about this Jesus. Maybe they're true that what we believed about sin is no longer a sin anymore, that we have evolved as a culture, that we have evolved in our understanding of love and life and relationships and this entire experience. And so John firmly provides a warning against or a warning for those who are remain, remaining but most importantly in these passages what we've not covered is that he is simultaneously trying to assure them of their real salvation over the past two weeks again we focused in laser pinpointed on these warnings it can be broken down like this do not deny the person and work of Jesus for who he says that he is do not depart from the church and do not be deceived. And yet today he's going to do something different simultaneously in these same passages. And so if you turned with me to the Gospel of John, where we're going to spend a majority of our time, because I believe that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And so in this passage, inside of John chapter 15... It's important for us to realize this morning that that Jesus has had the last Passover meal. Um, He has washed the disciples' feet. And now this is essentially part of his last sermon that he was going to preach. He is moments away, he is hours, he is seconds away from, from being crucified upon a cross. And in doing so, has this conversation, preaches this sermon to a select group of his disciples. And this is what he says. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, he says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. and The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and they will be done. And it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in me, abide in my love. Excuse me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. When we look at this passage this morning, I want you to keep all of this in perspective as we will eventually then go back to our first John passage that, again, this is written by the same guy, the same John, and so there's Lots of similar themes here that has been written by this man. In this, we learn here that Jesus states of himself that he is the true vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. What Jesus says, that he is the true vine, he is stating something about himself. He is saying that I am the source of of true life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the brain, the heart, the blood, the breath, the life. I am the life giver. I am the power source. I am what makes the Christian, Christian. And the context of which he was speaking this were, were people who were Jews themselves. They would have known the Old Testament. They would have known the symbols inside the Old Testament. They would have known the history of God's chosen people because they were a part of that chosen race and yet whenever in the Old Testament that God mentions the idea of of the vine and being attached to this idea of the vine what 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 brought up inside of the minds of a current Jewish reader or listener would have been something very different See, inside the Old Testament, Israel, the nation of Israel, which God appointed to be a blessing to many nations, had negated to do what God had called them to do. And so often inside of the Old Testament, when the vine is mentioned, is speaking directly about those people, God's people, who had become um, departed, they had denied what God had told them to do, they Had denied God's mission for them. They had departed from the truth and departed from God's mission. They were a vine that was drawing up. They were a vine that was um, diseased, if you will. And so, Jesus, in speaking to these Jewish disciples of of Himself, um, when they heard this, that Jesus is saying something truer and better. He's, He's saying that I am the true vine. That I have, denied, not, I have not denied who God is. That I have not departed from him and his ways. That I am not deceived. That I am what Israel could never be. I am. I'm the great I am. Jesus, speaking to these followers, would have said that what they Israel could not be and could not accomplish, I So when when Jesus was saying this, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Those who have denied Jesus, departed from the church, and deceive and deceive others. Jesus is also saying they are attached to a false vine. As people, we have a tendency, don't we, to attach ourselves to people and things believing that they will ultimately bring us life. But what Jesus is reminding them is that those are false vines, that they're counterfeit vines, that they, they never live up to the label, that they are never, never able to produce all the things that they say that they can produce. I mean, how many of you have ever thought, man, if I just had this guy, this gal, then life would be good. Or if I just drove this or lived in this place, then life would be good. All would would come together only to get those things and be highly disappointed. I believe that the disappointment... Is actually there for purpose the disappointment is what reminds us that they are false vines that they're not the ultimate life giver that everything that we need in life is not found in an individual earthly human or an individual possession but that that all of life is centered in being connected to the true life giver, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is our life support. Not I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And this is what Jesus says about himself. By way of momentary distraction, can I just say this to our church family? Like, If if Jesus isn't who he says that he is, what are we doing here? He either is or he isn't. He either means what he says, and it's either true, Genesis to Revelation, or it's all a lie. And in this case, Jesus is saying, man, this is is who I am. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me and so jesus as he is about to descend or, or, or be ascend on top of calvary's hill to be crucified to become and to absorb the full brunt of divine wrath for the sins of of our flesh jesus looks at these guys and he says "I'm your substance all of your substance of life brothers and sisters is 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 going to be found only in 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 me and in moments from now some of you all of you are going to be tempted to find life in something else is that that the story of Judas is that not the story of Peter who is at one moment saying i'm going to i'll die for you jesus to just in a few hours from from claiming i mean I i'll die for you jesus to cussing and denying jesus you're going to be tempted to attach your lifeline to something that is promising you something it can never fulfill Jesus is saying, I am the life. I am the way, the truth. I am it. I am who I say that I am. He goes on here in this passage and he says, every branch in me that does not, that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it, it may bear more fruit Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And so Jesus, again, he's using this analogy of, of this vine, right? If you think about a grapevine or a tomato vine or I, I grow blackberries. And so you think about these blackberry bushes that I have and things like that. And it's like what Jesus is saying inside of this passage is he's saying that every branch in me that, that does not bear fruit, that there's that's something that you need to know about that branch, Jesus is not saying that he is removing people who were once Christians, but now are not. That's an impossibility. What we've already learned in 1 John is this, brothers and sisters, that if if one falls away, if we commit what the what theologians like to call apostasy that means that that you were once this vibrant person who loved Jesus and loved the things of God and were obedient and loved his word but but today you now deny it and you've departed from the church and you've you've created this god of your own imagination or you've left god altogether what it, what is the bible actually says is what is that that person actually did not know Jesus to begin with It's impossible to lose your salvation, Jesus says. It's impossible. So, what he's saying about these branches who do not produce fruit is is that he's saying that they are also, just like there are counterfeit vines, there are counterfeit branches. There are people, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, not outside the congregation but for years are inside the congregation. How many of you guys remember the story, the parable of, of Matthew chapter 13? Jesus shares this parable. It's the parable of the sower, right? And it talks about uh, Jesus himself. He is the sower and that he's, he's casting the gospel and he's planting the gospel. And as he, he, he gets this picture of this man with like, I think about like grass seed and things and he, he's reaching into this bag and he's just broadcasting this seed. And he says some of that seed, it falls onto to rocky soil, right? And, then, and, and others of it, it falls into places where there are also weeds. And, 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 and falls into places where the birds swoop down. Everybody remember that story? Where in in the Gospel of Matthew, he also explains that story. I'll just read it quickly to you. He says this in Matthew chapter 13. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of, more so when when jesus is talking about these branches that have been cut away when john again in first john chapter 2 is talking about these people who have now denied jesus and departed and are now filled with deception and are trying to deceive others what what Jesus is getting at is he's getting back to this idea that there, there are people who are amongst us as believers, that they are intertwined, that in this very congregation, that there is the possibility of being both wheat and weeds. And the, the, the wheat is the good fruit. It's the godly people. It's people who have truly experienced salvation. And yet they're, they're hearing the same things. And, and yet in our midst, there are, are people who are lost. that they're weeds and yet they grow up in the same garden. Now, the passage of the parable, it doesn't tell us how long those seeds were there, does it? It doesn't tell us how long they were there before the birds came and got them. It doesn't tell us how long they were there before the sun scorched them. It doesn't tell us how long they were there before they grew up with the weeds and they were choked out by these weeds. See, brothers and sisters, friends. These are people who hear the gospel for a period of time. And it could be a a long period of time. These are are people within the church who appear to have zeal for Jesus, love for Jesus, who profess salvation, who get baptized, become a member, possibly teach kids, lead an MC, go to a mission trip, attend seminary, become pastors. But in the end... Their faith did not last. The birds came and devoured them up. Their faith was shallow. It was scorched by the sun when something real painful and difficult came to them. They were choked out by the weeds. See, these people began to question who Jesus was. They began to slowly remove themselves from the church. They began to justify, support, and promote their sin and the sin of the world. What John will later say in 1 John, as we read, is that they are the Antichrist. They deny, depart, and deceive. And this can seem really harsh. But we need to understand this, that, that Jesus is simply giving these people what they ultimately want. That's the ultimate sign of His wrath is to turn you and I and, and humanity over to what we want. See, I think the pictures of hell is that we often get is this this idea of just this real creepy thing, which it is. I'm not trying to lessen that at all. But I want you to imagine just for a moment that hell is a place where everybody in it gets to do whatever they want to do without any repercussion. But that's everyone. It sounds really good if I'm the only person there, right? But imagine a place, an earth, where God's common grace and His common love for His creation is no more. It's separated from that place and and people inside of this hellish experience get to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And God says, if you know better, let's see how your plan works out. That's what Romans chapter 1 is. When people begin to worship the created things instead of the creator, right? And he says he turns them over. All right, if you think that that's going to work for you, then, then have at it. Go. Go and do this. And so Jesus is saying that there are people within um, Christiandom, that uh, appear to, to be Christians. And again, they're people that we love and that we care about and they're church members and they're pastors. But, but when it's all said and done, it's, it's very possible that many of them are going to deny, depart, and be deceived. And he's saying that these people ultimately did not know Jesus. They were never truly saved to begin with. Simultaneously, in this passage, he says that there is a pruning, though, for those who are truly in Christ. That this pruning in the life of the true believer is an act of grace by which God's love in our lives keeps us from something or takes something from us. It's often painful. This removal of something or the, the lack of contentment in something. C- consider this. If you and I had a perfect marriage, would we long for our perfect groom? Nothing in my life has ever lived up to my expectation about it. Nothing. My best friends are in this room. And they're not perfect friends. My wife is in this room. And it's not a perfect marriage. I get to do what I love to do. How many people get to say that? I get to do what I love to do. And as I've told you, and I mean this with all the love I can possibly drum up, okay? That if it wasn't for Jesus, I would have left the church a long time ago. That even a meal, we get so hyped up, right? And, and again, there can be good graces. I'm not saying that there's no, no good in these things. But, but they never live up to everything that we imagine that they can be. And it never lasts. It never lasts. I mean, if you've been married for any time period at all, you can literally go from thinking, oh man, there's just like you're floating through this day together to boom, something happening and it being a terrible experience for the rest of the day. And you're like, man, what happened? If you are a parent of a teenager, you will see them act like an adult, and you'll be like, man, I'm impressed. Look at the maturity that's happening. And then simultaneously, they become possessed by the evil one and do something, and you're like, what happened to that good kid of mine? Right? Every relationship that you've had on this earth has let you down. Every one of them. But I want us to see, by God's grace, What a gift that is. What God is ultimately trying to do inside of your life and my life through those things is he's trying to say, I am the true and better life. I am the true and better vine. These things inside of your life, money and prosperity and and a government, all these sorts of things, they're never going to live up the hype. I'm going to use even their evil and their sin to show you that they are not me so he prunes he gives he's the God that gives but then simultaneously he takes away isn't this what we do as good parents though and we're cool with doing it as parents we're just not cool when God parents us right do that again I'm gonna take that away and you don't take away something that they hate or they've not played with in years you take away something that they have made a God, an idol. You remove it from them. It needs to sting a little bit. But it's not punishment for punishment's sake. It's discipline for love's sake. And this is what God is doing to us. Some of us cannot handle this statement but God will use whatever means necessary to keep us coming back to Him. Whatever means necessary. It is better for you and I to lose everything like Job and gain God in the end than to gain the whole world and lose our souls. So Jesus is the true vine. Jesus removes counterfeit branches and he prunes the fruitful ones all with the gold so that we can see more Christ-like fruit produced in us. That's what a good gardener does. And it's what Adam could no longer do after sin entered in the world. He could not steward any longer the means of grace which God had given him in the garden so Jesus comes as the true and better gardener true Christians abide in Jesus verse 4 in in chapter 15 In you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you John loves the word abide uses it nine times inside of the gospel of John he uses it 18 times in first and second John abide in me what a humbling invitation and an imperative. What is the word imperative? Like a a command. So so Jesus is both, by saying abide in me, is, is simultaneously both saying something like about himself and about you coming to him and me coming to him, and yet simultaneously is commanding us to do that. Abide in Jesus. Abide means to continue, to endure, to remain, to stay, to rest. Jesus is again both inviting us to this and commanding us to daily, constantly, and continually be with Him. He's saying, remember who I am. Remember who you are. Remember what I've said. Don't forget stay remain in this place in this posture in this position as as long as it takes see brothers and sisters i think we've gotten messed up when we start we start saying things and i know why we do it and i say it as well it's like man we need to follow jesus daily but but jesus is saying as the true vine no it's not daily it's it's moment by moment imagining how 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 we would fight temptation if we stayed connected to Jesus moment by moment, not daily by daily. And Jesus is saying that very thing, so whatever you do by the work of your hand, whatever job that you have inside of this place, whether it's a, 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 a working in your home, mom or dad, or, or working in some sort of business, that whatever you and I do, that we're staying connected to Jesus while we do it. That we're dwelling in him, that we're remaining in him, that we're resting in him. This is how we follow Jesus. Why? Because he's the true source of life. He is the life blood, is he not? That's what Jesus is saying. How many of you guys remember in elementary school, we used to take a little Doyle cup, this is before college students got a hold of those things, and you'd fill it with water, right? Right? And then you would take, like, a a piece of celery, right, and your teacher would put water in there. Anybody anybody go to school, all right? So you put water in there, and then you put food coloring inside of the cup with the water. And then you take a piece of celery, and you put the celery in the water, and you wait all day as a classroom. Everybody's looking at their cup, right? And then at the end of the day, what does the teacher do? She goes back, and she lets everybody snap that celery, and what do you see running through the veins of that celery? Well, whatever color food dye that you put in there, food coloring that you put in there. Now everybody's going to go home and do this with their kids, right? If we were to figuratively be cracked open, what is what is keeping us is is the very... Blood and mercy of Jesus that is flowing through our very veins to to say that we are in Christ and and yet not bleed the very blood of Jesus is, is to be a contradiction within itself. But no, Jesus is saying no. I'm I'm you're the person walking around the machine at the at the hospital, and this this machine wherever you go is is following you. It's what's keeping you alive. It's breathing for you. It's it's pumping the brain the blood inside of you and that, that machine is not just a machine, but it's, it's our master. It's our king. It's King Jesus. And he's saying to you, no, I, I am the true vine. You can't attach your power cord to anything else. And stay on. Stay alive. I want to destroy a myth by God's grace this morning. And that is the myth of the super Christian. Brothers and sisters, he does not, she does not exist. The super Christian does not exist. Maturing in Christ is is a spiritual experience, yes, but it's also an actual experience. Think of the people that, that we look up to. Think of the people that we quote Right? And and even those outside of the Bible throughout Christian history, think of those people that we just think, man, that is a mature person in Jesus right there. That is a mature sister in Christ right there. They they are see, I get around them and I smell the aroma of Jesus whenever I'm around them. And and, and our, our, our tendency is to step back and go, well, man, he or she, they must be a super Christian, and I want you to know that is a lie. It's a lie. The super Christian does not exist. You know how people seem to to just put off the aroma of Jesus? You know why they do that? Because they've been with Jesus. And every tool he's given them, if you were in Christ, guess what he's done to you? He's given the exact same thing to you. You know what they've done? Tapped into it. There's no super Christians. I mean, I want you to think about the most, like, awesome man of God, woman of God that you could ever imagine throughout the history of all of Christianity. Is that Paul, maybe? Is that John the Baptist, maybe? That's what Jesus said. They put on their pants or robes one arm at a time they ate food guess what they had jobs they had families to raise. right they had camels to race or whatever you did back then okay they had things to do they were hunter-gatherers they didn't have storehouses in their homes full of food no they it was a constant working from, from sunup to sundown. And yet, these men of God in history, these women of God in history, they, they, they tapped in. They were like, no, we're, it is a spiritual experience, but I think some of us are, are pleading with the Lord to grow in His likeness through osmosis. Meaning, we're just going to not read the Bible, but we're going to put it on our pillow at night, lay our head upon it, and just believe we're going to wake up having the Old Testament memorized. Super Christians don't exist. It's equivalent to us. I mean, have you ever done this? Is like, Lord, I just wondered sometimes if, if, and you need to pray this, and I need to pray this. Lord, help me to want to read your word. Anybody ever pray that before? Man, i pray that. Let's keep praying that. Okay? But can we just have an honest, let's be real. I mean, we've made you guys turn around, you know, put your left foot in, right foot out, the whole thing this morning let's let's just go ahead and be real with it this morning how many bibles does jesus have to give you You think about it it's equivalent to us sitting down at a buffet and praying god will give us food he he's not withheld anything of himself He's given you his word. He's given you the church. He's given me those things. It's like sometimes I'll pray, Lord, send me to somebody to share the gospel with today. And I go to Walmart. And I don't share the gospel. Right? We're making this way harder than it is. Like he's like, how about that one? 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 I'm giving you opportunity. Giving you opportunity. Giving you opportunity. I put you in this place. I put you in this place. I put you in this place. Right? We need to be aware of that. It's the ordinary means of grace. Scripture, fellowship, prayer, Evangelism, suffering, being obedient, being generous. Super Christian does not exist. The most faithful people, maturing Christ people throughout the history of Christianity are those who daily abide moment by moment in Christ. I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling in my faith, if I have an honest evaluation, I can usually point to many areas in my life, many moments in my life where I'm not daily abiding in Jesus. How many of you guys have ever like I was I I grew up in church and I was never told to read the Bible by myself. Isn't that weird? And so, I, I, just like you, I get I get busy. I get my my to do list becomes overwhelming, right? And so, time with Jesus and His Word like has a tendency to get pushed way down the list. Or I'll do a checklist reading where it's just like, and then go to my checklist, right? Have you ever had those moments with the Lord where you're like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, drink a slim fast. I'm gonna eat a real meal inside the Word today. And I'm not talking about a blue mist filling up your study, right, or an angel coming to visit you in that moment. But, but in that practical engagement with God's Word for an extended period of time, you you were like, man, I want to, I want, I want some more of this, like. Why have I not been doing this? Like, I love this. I want to know more about this, right? It's because you tapped in to the resource. And the more you engage with it, guess what? The more you're going to love it. The more I'm going to love it. It's not a coincidence that those who daily, moment by moment, engage in God's word, prayer, community, the life of the church most mature people in the vine and yet simultaneously within the life of the church this happens all the time people will often begin to slowly disappear and then it often comes out that they have been dabbling in something that they shouldn't be they're trying to attach themselves to something other than Jesus. And I know it because I've tried it. I mean, this is what happens, right? Good Christian homes. Raising good, godly kids. And you take those kids who grew up with gospel-centered parents, and, and you take those those kids, and you take them out of their parents' home, and you put them on a college campus. And what happens? Many, many graduate from their faith. They they go from being under the protection of their parents to a greenhouse of secular humanism and, and relativism and, and science as religion and, and a lot of freedom. Because... If they don't land in a local church and land in discipleship groups and those sorts of things, then who begins to disciple them? The things of the world. You and I are going to become like our environment. That's why I better never work at Gads. That's Great American Donut Shop. I better never work at the Donut Shop. I will become a donut. A complete circle. Because I will become that. Those things are absolutely delicious. And don't be throwing Krispy Kreme hot sign. No, that's garbage compared to eating at Gads. If you need a hot one, warm up the Gads one. You become like, what's your environment? When I used to listen to a lot of gangster rap, guess what words kept coming out of my mouth? I started thinking about things and, and and without even realizing like this is molding me it's it's shaping me it's it's no longer just something i have to be conscious about no it, it's just coming out of me why because you will become who and what you are around either you're rubbing off on them toward the gospel or they're rubbing off on you towards the antichrist you're either leading them to devotion towards jesus Or they're leading you to be greatly deceived. And I want you to know if you're in an environment where you're surrounded by people who don't believe, who are gone astray, that's even more dangerous. That's why I think Jesus sent them out two by two. It's like you need to be careful where you go by yourself. Right? This is the danger of these things. We're going to be disciple by whom we're around, whether we realize it or not. You become like what you're connected to. In Jesus, is saying, "Be connected to me. I am the truth. I am the love." He goes on here to say, and we don't—I don't have time to go into this like I was going to. But he—he he goes on to say because those who are truly connected to me, guess what they do? They bear fruit. Here's the thing. We, we, we've created a Christianity where you don't have to look, sound, anything like Jesus, and it's still Christianity. But yet when you read the scripture and compare that idea of Christianity to a biblical Christianity, guess what you get? Two different things. It's imperfect, yes, brothers and sisters. But if Jesus is truly in you, you it will always, always, always lead to fruit bearing. John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Abide here is not just know it, but it's to trust and obey it. Those who are truly in Christ will bear fruit. You can't help it because it's who you're attached to. It's who I'm attached to. So quickly, having said those things, 1 John. If We go back to 1 John now. Listen to this passage, point out a few things and then pray. He's given us the warnings. There are people in our midst who have denied Jesus, they've departed from the local church. They are deceived and they are deceiving other people. But I told you that there's not just a warning here, there's assurance here. Who's he writing to? Those still in the church? and what does he say about them listen they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had all been of us they would have continued with us but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us but you but you have been anointed by the Holy One the Holy Spirit what is the Holy Spirit it's our power it's our life giver it's the vine but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have knowledge I write to you not because you do not know the truth but because you know it and because there is no lie of there is no lie is of the truth who is the liar And this is the promise that he has made us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but anointing that you receive from him abides in you. You have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, you will not be, have, have confidence in, and not shrink in him at, the, at his coming. If you know that, that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Brothers and sisters, what, what is he saying about this church in Ephesus who is, they're worried. Am I saved? What does John remind them? What does he say about them? You are. And this is how we know you are. He says, I know that they've gone. I know that they left. I know that the, the world is, is putting you in this pressure cooker. But he says, man, Jesus is coming back. You don't want him to come back and be filled with shame. And how are you going to be filled with shame if you're loving the things of this world? If you love the world, because God has told us in this word right here, right? Do not love the world. But it, Yet, if you are found in Christ, when Jesus returns, you can be confident Not in your own doing, but in the person and work of Jesus. We stand in confidence, not in what we've accomplished, but what he has accomplished in the cross and in his burial and in his resurrection. That he has given us the Holy Spirit, that he has not left us, that he has not forsaken us. But we are in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has never wandered from you and I. There's never a moment where he has ceased to be who he is. He remains, arms extended, inviting you. has never left, never forsaken. The distance you and I often feel is not because he has wandered off, but rather that we should check our location. Who are you following? What are the whispers from the world that you're listening to, that I'm listening to? Where are you and I becoming distracted? Brothers and sisters, Jesus has never wavered. He has always remained like a child that's being led by their parents. Gets distracted by a mud puddle. Parent, you ever seen that? You put brand new shoes on your kid and they see a mud puddle and it's just like, right? I mean, it's it's like a bug to a zapper. They got to do it. But God is, is the Father and we are that child and and we get distracted by the mud puddle when the Lord is wanting to show us the ocean it's like a lovesick father pleading with his prodigal child to come home don't leave abide don't leave abide i'll I'll take care of you i'll look after you i know what's best for you abide remain connected to me because it's going to say much about you there's so much noise in our culture. So many who are denying Jesus. So many departing the church. The Christian faith. So many who are trying to deceive Christians and are, and are leaving the faith. The, the world is an alluring, seductive, pornographic kingdom seeking to make us like it. And our, our encouragement in this passage is to abide, to remain. Simply continue to believe what Jesus is and who he says that he is. And He's John is saying this to those church in Ephesus who are going through all of this conflict and so therefore he's saying it to us as well he is saying this is an encouragement thing to those who are actually going to hear this and read this abide in me and I in you I'm not going anywhere I'm here I'm here continue to be devoted to the local church continue to not be deceived Jesus is Jesus and and, and what he determines is is dishonoring to him and his glory is still dishonoring to his glory no matter what the world preaches Isaiah 520 woe to those who call evil good and good evil I need some of you to hear this this morning. If I walk away from Jesus, you need to stay. That's the passage. If your pastor walks away, and I'm telling you this preventively, I love Jesus. I don't think I'm going nowhere. I've been trying for years. He got me lassoed up really tightly. But the same people who left would have said the same thing years prior I am not your God. I am not your Jesus. You will know if I love Jesus and if I love my wife, depending on how I die believing and living. If I walk away, Mission Church, if Pastor, I mean, could y'all imagine Pastor Todd walking away? Now, we all think Justin's probable at any moment, all right? But if Pastor Todd walks away, stay. If your mom and daddy walk away, stay. If your kids walk away, Abide. Stay. People inside and outside of the church are going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to leave you. They're going to gossip about you. They're possibly going to put you to death. But if you, but you little children, abide in Him. The Spirit is in you. Christ is in you. The truth is in you. The Gospel is in you. Don't give up. Don't give up up don't give up abide remain dwell in rest in if you are the last person on the planet and all others have has has deserted and denied and departed and live in deception i want to hear i want you to hear this from me this morning and ultimately from the scripture itself abide remain dwell in jesus because he will both preserve you you cannot lose what he has ultimately given you and everything is going to come against you to try to convince you otherwise. You are preserved in Jesus. No matter who goes astray, no matter what culture teaches, do not be ashamed, do not be a coward, do not shrink back, but cling all the more to Jesus, his word, his mission. He is coming back. Let us be found in him. Let's pray.